Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today let the word go forth fool me once are you fired up i'm not a crook are you ready to go shame on shame on you it's abe lincoln's top hat hosted by ben kissel boom you can't get fooled again all right hey what's up everyone how you doing this is benjamin kissel Hi, this is Marcus Park. Whoa! <laughs> That's a voice you haven't heard in a while. Uh, we're down under. Yeah, we are. It's weird. It's, it's weird, it's ex- but not that weird. It's exactly the same. <laughs> we are in Sydney, Australia right now. This is the first recording we're doing for the last podcast network from the other side of the world. Yes. And it is more America in Australia than Canada. Easily. Canada is more... It's crazier. <laughs> It was like, it was nuts. I did get a thumbs down from a woman named Tanya who was a teacher. Uh-huh. We went out to a really fun bar last night called Frankie's. And uh, and then we went to another joint. What was it called? Uh, the old the, Man's Place? Something like that. <laughs> it looked like an old man's place. And they were playing country music. And it is great to see their version. Oh, that was Shady Pines. Shady Pines. Yeah. It yeah. is great to see their version of like American Honky Tonk. Mm-hmm. Because they got some stuff right. Uh, you know what, man? They were playing Gary, like deep cut Gary Stewart. Yeah. I was impressed. Yeah. I was very impressed. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that place, being American, was very cool. Mm-hmm. So I got one thumbs down. Uh, from a woman after she was like, are you Canadian? And I'm like, no. And I reacted like, no. <laughs> I'm not Canadian. No. And then she was like, boo. And I was like, all right. All right, fine. That's fun. But then she was she was very nice. We had a good conversation. And then we went to the honky tonk and we were treated like American royalty. Mm-hmm. And then we even met a Trump supporter taxi driver. It is America. And he was a Trump supporter because he was Iranian. Because he was Iranian. It was so weird. That happens. And obviously Iran's been in the news a lot this week. There's been some bluster. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say it's bluster? I'd say it's very blustery out there. Yeah, bluster with nuclear weapons. You know, it's just nice. <laughs> it's nice that the people that control the most powerful weapon on earth are so mature. Yeah, and in no way are they just tit for tat pieces of playground 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 bullies uh, doing a tit for tat with the uh, world's most powerful bomb. Yeah, isn't that fun? Yeah, it's real fun. It looks like that's not going to happen though, and that's the one thing about Donald Trump. I did see some people, and in a normal Republican administration, they would be correct about this. But I did see some people being like, he wants to reassure re-election. He's taken us to war. But ironically, I think that would destabilize his entire base. I think if he went to war with, if he involved us in a third, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> Middle East conflict, in the they're third, running concurrently now. Yeah. <laughs> if he were to do that, it would sink his re-election campaign. It, it would be the worst possible thing he could do. It really would. And so today. Uh, it's interesting watching international news uh, here in Australia. 
I don't even think they have a government because I have not seen one news article other than they have a serial killer yeah. or a father who killed his family. Yeah, mass murderer. Yeah, yes. he killed five, uh, his entire family of five. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to cover that on side stories this week or next week. And and then there's also a footballer, mm-hmm. which is a soccer player to you Americans, <laughs> uh, who uh, evidently was also just arrested uh, for killing his wife in 1981. And the reason that the case got brought back up was in 2016, there was a podcast that came out, mm-hmm. and they like detailed how it could all happen. So that's some uncharted territory for the Australian people to be like... Is a podcast enough to convict someone of murder? Uh. We'll see. But those are those are going to be good side story stories coming up uh, for you all as we continue to record from Australia. But politically, it does seem as if the fascination is all on uh, the USA. I saw this uh, TV show last night. It was called. I think you watched it as I well. I watched it as well. It's called The American Project something or something like that. It, it was the dumbest shit it was so weird to see because they have a little set that's in the oh it looks like the oval office yes and it's just them (laughs) and it's just them reporting on american news but with like a big smile and an australian accent it was so bizarre to see it's so because when you're outside of the united states like you don't realize how much american news is world news absolutely and it was also really interesting with that because they kept on calling like the democratic party the man made like multiple references to being like the party of slavery and Mm -hmm. stuff like that but in the context as if there was no shift in the 1960s between the democratic (laughs) party and the republican party they they totally lacked the whatever nuance we do have in america (laughs) which let's be honest we're not the most nuanced people um but it was interesting to hear the broad strokes of their interpretation of american politics our history is nuanced our history is very very complicated it's a gigantic country with a a fairly long history a lot america's packed a lot of history into a short period of time we really really have like a fat man crammed into a suit (laughs) um speaking of history joe biden stepped on his uh yeah, kind of put his foot in his mouth a little bit this week. We'll see what an Im- what impact it has regarding his. Um, well, exp- get ready to say that phrase a hell of a lot over the next few months. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, he was talking about how he could work across the aisle. Yeah, and he mentioned the two segregationist senators uh, that he was working with across the aisle. And many people would say maybe that's not the world's greatest example, specifically uh, when the African American vote is so crucial. Uh, in a Democratic primary, specifically in states like South Carolina. Um, But, of course, the news cycle is, this will be out of the news cycle by noon. Um, We should, I mean, the fact that we're even mentioning is probably one of the last gasps of this so-called controversy. Um, But it was was an interesting uh, example of the sort of minefield that the 2020 primary is going to be for the Democratic candidates. Uh, The the world has shifted a little bit, uh, or quite a bit, one could argue, and we'll see how Joe Biden is able to sort of, we're going to see if he's able to be malleable, maneuver, and be able to deal with a Democratic primary that is going to be consistently bringing up things like, you know, past votes and and past um you know the the last thing joe biden needs to do is tie himself to segregationists yeah and so that was just one of those things where i think he's like well i just made my i just gave myself more work to do i made my life more difficult uh, perhaps i need to choose my words better 
It's weird how out of place Joe Biden seems in this primary. Do you feel that as well? Uh, because it seems like everybody else has newer ideas, even yeah. though, you know, Bernie Sanders has been around for just as long as Joe Biden has. But Joe Biden, to me, is coming off as a relic of the past. It's interesting because he's not even really in the primary. Yeah. He doesn't go to any of the Democratic national, uh, you know, the big the, the big conventions where all the candidates are showing up. He doesn't mention the candidates. Uh, as a matter of fact, Cory Booker criticized him on television, and he's just straight up called Cory Booker and was like, can you be nice to me? <laughs> like He's just like straight up like, oh, I'm the only one in this race already. He's already treating it like a general. And with that, you do risk uh, getting upset. Uh, not that Elizabeth Warren is anything like Rick Santorum, no. but in 2012, Rick Santorum was able to pull off a massive political upset winning Iowa because he went to every county. And Iowa is a place where retail politics are still extremely significant. And it seems as if Elizabeth Warren is chipping away at Bernie Sanders' support, which mm. I am. I like Elizabeth Warren more than Bernie Sanders because sometimes Bernie Sanders makes me depressed. <laughs> um, and Elizabeth Warren, she has more of an optimistic message uh, despite some of the... the the sad times that we're living in for the middle class of this country. Yeah. Um, so she, her message is, in my personal opinion, just a little bit more upbeat. And we'll see. When it comes to Iowa, uh, it's going to be a big Super Tuesday, especially now with California moving up their primary to uh, the same caucus and primary weekend or, or week that Iowa is. So if she's able to like get a California, get an Iowa, and just start that momentum rolling... Who knows what could happen? That's why uh, I'm so excited for the votes to start coming in so we can actually get some results as opposed to all just this random banter. You know, Warren Sanders' ticket isn't the worst idea in the world. But I don't know if that would be possible because I don't think Sanders is going to go for the VP. I just don't think so. Also, I feel like Elizabeth Warren probably secretly hates Joe Biden. (laughs) Or no, uh, secretly (laughs) hates Bernie Sanders because technically they are in a, you know, a mini conflict. They're sort of in in a side bet. Uh, going on yeah. here in the primary, um, they're they're fighting for the exact same kind of voter, yeah. and I think that Bernie Sanders is, you know, still very he he was he has a leg up because he was able to put together a pretty pretty good uh, national campaign. Yeah. And once you get the once you get like we forget like when you're running for office, it's not about like just rhetoric and speeches. You got to have you got to have uh, you know offices and all of these podunk ass towns, which are great towns. Not not to be rude to the podunk towns out there, <laughs> no. but you really have to have um, a uh, an infrastructure that's kind of invisible uh, to a lot of people when you talk about running in a in a nation of fifty states. Mm-hmm. Um, so he already has, you know, he's kind of hitting the ground running. But it seems as if she's doing a pretty good job setting up infrastructure, uh, getting the infrastructure set up, and announcing early. Because let's not forget Elizabeth Warren. She announced on she announced last. Year, yeah, she she announced like before New Year's Eve, Mm -hmm. and so because of that, I think she was able to kind of take a look at all of the different staffers and stuff like that that had worked on previous campaigns. So she's put together a pretty a pretty strong uh, campaign full of experienced um, political minds, and I think she's avoiding a lot of the pitfalls that Hillary Clinton uh, unfortunately made. Uh, or fell into when it comes to connecting with that so-called blue wall voter, the blue wall Democrat, the, uh, the you know, the Michigan, the Wisconsin, um, those Democrats that I think uh, felt as if they weren't being spoken to in 2016, other than by the man in the red hat for, for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I think the number one rule in this primary, in this election, is going to be assume nothing. And that was Absolutely. The, and that was the biggest mistake I think that Hillary Clinton made was uh, assuming that she had these states in hand, yeah. and she assumed that she didn't have to put in that work. 
Uh, and I think that's what Elizabeth Warren's doing. I think she's, she's assuming nothing and she's putting in the groundwork. And it's 80,000 votes, man. Totally yeah. attainable. The blue wall was not shattered. It wasn't obliterated. No. It was just a small op- a door opened up and... And, uh, and it was just Someone a left the door storm. unlocked. Someone left the door unlocked. That's, <laughs> that's really it. all that happened. Yeah, that's it. Um, and so I think that, yeah, I'm excited to see what she's doing. She's doing good on Instagram, which I don't know what that means anything, but it seems as if it does matter. And um, so, yeah, so that Joe Biden stepping on his own, stepping in front of him, uh, making himself uh, having a – he made him – Made his life more difficult than it had to be, uh, talking about how he was good friends with segregationists, which probably, again, is not the best look for a 2020 Democratic primary. Yeah, and you also he also uh, made another misstep. I mean, it wasn't necessarily, I mean, it wasn't a gaffe. It's just his own politics. But uh, when jo- Joe Biden should not be going around saying, nothing will fundamentally change. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's not that is not a good 2020 slogan, because I I mean, I understand. um, I I absolutely understand uh, the impulse to just go with Biden. like Biden is electable. Go go with Biden, because that's what people know. And that's what people will vote for. And the number one goal is to get Trump out of office. And I totally understand that. Uh, But I also don't think that it's good for because this country has a lot more problems than just Donald Trump. Oh, absolutely. No, Donald Trump is just a symptom of a much larger illness. Yeah, yeah. Donald Trump is a symptom of the disease. Absolutely. Uh, And and I think Joe Biden is a Band-Aid on a cancer. Yeah, could be. Could be. And by the end of it, he might be putting Band-Aids on actual skin cancer. (laughs) Uh, He is going to be up there in age. We don't know. Uh, But yeah, so it is just fascinating to hear what the uh, Australian point of view is on American politics. And... It is just as diverse as, as the uh, views are in America. So we also, I guess, what else should we talk about here? It's been an interesting little journey. We're all extremely jet-lagged, and mm-hmm. um, so our brains are borderline fried. All right, well, let's just get out of America for one second, and then we'll come back to America. Because we're Americans, gosh darn it. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about Alex Jones here in one second. But just briefly, uh, what's going on in North Korea is quite interesting right now. Xi Jinping uh, he went to visit his boy Kim mm-hmm. for the first time. A Chinese leader went to North Korea. That was the first time in 14 years. Uh, the North Korean people are suffering. They're having their worst drought in 34 years. Uh, the South Koreans have offered them 50 tons of rice uh, if they would curb their nuclear ambitions. Kim Jong-un at this point has turned that down. So it looks as if North Korea, it's, I can't say I'm happy that their people are suffering because when they are, when their back is against the wall, that's when Kim Jong-un and the, the Kim dynasty in general tends to act very erratically. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, that is uh, not fun no. when they have the capability uh, to wipe out tens of thousands, if not millions of people. You know, it's funny being on this side of the world. That's what I was just saying to Carolina this morning is that like being on this side of the world, like especially being here in Australia, and then after this we're going to go to Japan for a nice little vacation. Ooh. You definitely think about North Korea more. Oh yeah, <laughs> being yeah. over here, like like you definitely think about North Korea being uh, an actual threat. I mean, it is. It really is uh, a situation that I know the American news is funneled through the world's dumbest uh, Twitter account, <laughs> aka Donald Trump's, and so we have sort of lost the the fact. Like I have, I know for a fact that I have sort of lost a little bit of like 
this shit is serious. Yeah. Like, I know that the, the, the chubby man with the weird fingers tweets from the bathroom, and it makes everything <laughs> like, well, it's a little, the world's a little bonkers. But we are talking, every every other leader around the world is dead fucking serious. Yeah. And I don't know if the, if America is is still necessarily sort of like uh, on that tip. Because remember, I mean, just growing up, when we would talk about North Korea, when we were talking about Kim Jong-il at the time, uh, I believe he took over in 96, it was like this man was a real threat. He was, it was really scary. And now it's Rocket Man and Dotard. Yeah. I mean, so... <laughs> a lot of people think procrastination is a bad thing. But life isn't so black and white. Sometimes procrastination can work out in your favor. For example, if you need life insurance, but you've been putting it off, congratulations. You've managed to procrastinate long enough for technology to make it easy. Policy Genius is the easy way to shop for insurance online. In just two minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape. No sales pressure, no hidden fees, just financial protection and peace of mind. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They can also help you find the right home insurance, auto insurance, and disability insurance. So if you need life insurance, but you've been busy doing literally anything else, check out Policy Genius. It's the easy way to compare all the top insurers and find the best value for you. PolicyGenius.com. Nobody wants to shop for life insurance. That's why we made it easy. But yeah, when you're out here, you do realize like, North Korea, what goes on with North Korea and the Chinese is extremely serious. And what China is trying to do right now is a little scary. I mean, obviously with their surveillance state and they are, you know, what they're trying to do right now with extradition. Did you see that? No. So China is trying to have people extradited. Oh, in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong. The the gigantic protest. Yes, the, the, the gigantic protest. And they did this. This is kind of an interesting side story. The government always finds ways, and every government does this, to take a situation that everyone agrees is wrong and use that to pass legislation that, that can be used for their, for their uh, desires mm-hmm. that are going to be nefarious and desperately or dramatically hurt the people. So in this case, uh, there was someone who committed a murder, and uh, they fled. And they wanted to extradite that person because he definitely committed the murder. He admitted to it. Yeah. And so because of that, under that story that everyone's like, this is horrible. This is a total uh, betrayal of justice. And everyone agrees this schmuck should be on trial and, and you know sentenced for murder. But because they don't have an extradition treaty, he, they can't get him. So that is what China used to be like, let's get an extradition treaty. And then every single... Um, political dissident is like, can we not? Yeah. <laughs> because if we have an extradition treaty with China, we are dead. Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting oh, that's guess, not subplot just... going on in the world. Well, that's just not a, I mean, that is a world government. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. That is a world, go- I mean, every government in the world uses tragedy to take, adva- to take advantage. Uh, yeah, China's no different. That's no different yeah. from, say, the Patriot Act I know or the, quite a few other things that uh, that America has done. Every government uses tragedy to take advantage. Absolutely, and as always, when you get out of the, the United States of America, they really do show more protest footage here. Yeah, they show more violence here. I was watching some as well as Marcus was um, last night on the telly, 
And uh, it really is brutal what they're doing. The crackdown, the Chinese government isn't playing around. Mm -hmm. I mean, people thought Occupy Wall Street, and the the cops definitely overreacted to Occupy Wall Street, but that looks like a picnic compared to what was going on with these people who are legitimately fighting uh, for their very existence and their lives. I don't know what China is going to look like in 10 years, but Xi Jinping, he's a frightening man. And that uh, regime is only getting stronger as they continue to crack down on all religious freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of privacy. Good mm. luck with that. No. Uh, and their public shame system is so, uh, it's a thousand times worse than our DUI billboards, which I think are a little <laughs> bit over the top anyway. What's their public shame system? Well, now they have a situation where, it, so they, they have your data, almost like a Facebook profile, mm-hmm. so the cops can look at your face and they have facial recognition now, and they can not just know your criminal history, but they know your political alliances, they know your religion, so yeah. they'll put you on a list, they'll know personal things, and so if you are you know, speaking poorly about the regime, you're going to go on a billboard, and the billboard is electronics, they, they constantly kind of you know, um, uh, shift through different people. So they have a really uh, intense, intense crackdown on all civil liberties. China is really sad and it's super scary. And there's, we talk about concentration camps in all of our, you know, Mengele episodes, and uh, when we talk about the Holocaust and everything. But legitimately, that stuff still exists today in there America. Are, it well in America on the border, <laughs> yes. Yeah, but in, I was about but to in, say, like China does not have the it doesn't have the market cornered on concentration no, but camps. They, We've got them ourselves. But they have a. I mean. Between China and the North Koreans, they are there's millions of people yeah. in, in work camps just dying on a regular basis. And so when people always talk about, like, if I was there, I'd try to stop it. This stuff is so big. Mm-hmm. What I mean, what are we going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do if you're in China? I mean, good luck. And so you can see them trying to protest and, uh, and doing the best to stand up for their rights. But, yeah, my heart goes out to them. That's, that's going to be really tough, man. Kim, uh, the uh, Xi Jinping regime. Obviously, he's there for life, and uh, it's just going to be a slow erosion. Hell, maybe not even a slow erosion. It's been a fast erosion of their civil liberties, and it just comes overnight, and it's really sad. Um, So that's going on in China and North Korea right now. Obviously, the Chinese government and the Russians still the main funders of North Korea. They have nothing. They don't export or import anything. (laughs) Like, they are really suffering, and uh, hopefully that doesn't lead to a conflict that... We cannot take back no. in the form of a mushroom cloud. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's get back here just briefly to a little bit more of a of a lighter story. And I say that in the context of we were just talking about nuclear destruction. So I guess the proliferation of child pornography uh, <laughs> is, is a lighter story. Um, but this is about our least favorite rotund screaming asshole, yeah. dickhead Alex Jones. There is some good things happening regarding the Sandy Hook parents finally getting some justice. Yeah, uh, There was a case from a Sandy Hook uh, father who sued and won. He sued an author of a book. I think that was literally just called Sandy Hook. Did it happen? Yeah. Or something like that. Um, and he was able to win and just be like, yeah, bro, you can't just... You can't just defame me after my six-year-old was dead and tell me I'm a crisis actor and get away with it. Because we have First Amendment speech in this, in this country, um, but you don't have the right to ruin someone's fucking life for your stupid conspiracy theory to sell a book. Absolutely not. You just don't have that right. And this man's life was ruined uh, in more ways than I could ever even imagine. Yeah. Can you imagine that? I mean, ruined two, three, four times. One after another after another. I mean, the, having that 
horrific thing happen and then to have a bunch of assholes on your back for years afterward. Right. I mean, un- unbelievable. And anyone that participated in that, hey, man, I understand you're getting some YouTube holes and you, and you your brain warps a little bit. And I, we've spoken to people when we do our meet and greets and stuff who said, like, thank you guys for, for snapping me out of some of those YouTube holes. And we get in them, too. Yeah. I mean, like, the conspiracy stuff used to be so much fun until it got someone elected. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it used to be a blast. It was. I miss, I miss fun conspiracy world so much. Because, yep. you know, like, going to some of the websites that I used to go to, uh, just for, you know, fun. Because, you know, conspiracy thought is, you know was a really fun thought exercise. It's like, let's see how we can fit, like how we can approach things from different angles. Totally. Uh, but once it got to turn into a reality, uh, that's, it, it's scary now. It's dangerous. Like, it's really dangerous. How it's, many people can get sucked into that? So it seems as if they are, uh, obviously with Alex Jones, uh, you know, he's off of YouTube and uh, I think Twitter and whatever. He still has Infowars.com. His First Amendment, you don't have a First Amendment right to a YouTube page. Uh, no one's telling him to shut up. He's screaming louder than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does seem as if now they are getting him on a child pornography count. Uh, on a child pornography count, um, the FBI has said that they found uh, child pornography on a um, on a batch of emails that Jones sent to uh, Sandy Hook parents. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that is in the context. I could see Alex Jones. First of all, of course, Alex Jones is. Pulling his best, the CIA planted child porn. Oh, well, has the CIA ever done that before? You know, to be honest, probably. Well, what Jones is saying right. is that it is the Sandy Hook attorneys who planted child pornography on uh, the Infowars servers after his own lawyers accidentally sent the plaintiff's attorneys child pornography during the discovery process. You know what? It happens. <laughs> you know, I would, how does that... When Alex Jones tried to explain away things that are just so much more... I'm sure he just sent them child porn being like, you love this, don't you? Yeah, I, I guarantee you it was in the... Con- or I, I can't guarantee, but my thought would be it was in the context of like, you're part of the government pedophile ring. Yeah, yeah you probably know these boys, don't you? Like, I think it was probably in the context of like, is that making your dick hard? And it's like, bro, you just sent child porn yeah. to a parent, regardless of the context. I don't know if that was the context, but it's also just extremely possible, There's as a- we saw with Alex Jones's um, porno choices. <laughs> He's so transphobic, and then believe it or not, he was doing some research with his right hand and his cock. Like, I better look. I better know what they look like. I better know what this transsexual uh, sex looks like yeah, before I, uh, if I. If I really want to get in their heads, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna need to stare right at it when I come. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look at their buttholes to know what's going on there. Um, I would not be surprised as Marcus was talking to. Uh, with me about earlier if the man screams about pedophilia so much is this just another classic case is it is it just uh is is this just projection is Is this just another pastor who fucks a bunch of children talking about how the sins of the devil are making everyone a pedophile is this a guy that you know that goes uh, is this an anti-lgbt right senator who gets blowjobs in the bathroom yeah you know it's you don't know, but on the other hand, it could also be uh, that they were trying to trap him or something like that, because that's that is uh, to these guys like the the big bad is the child pornography rings. That's well, that's what course. runs the entire world. So were they trying to plant child pornography on these attorneys so they could say, look, they are part of the pedophile government? Yes. Is oh, it, I they, see what you're saying. So, creating, in the context of them, are they creating their own narrative? Are they creating their right. own little world? 
where uh, they can say, like, look, these people have child pornography. They are part of the porno- child pornog- the, the child pedophile government. Right. Is that what they're trying to do? Or was it just a fucking accident? Is one of Alex Jones's lawyers a fucking pedophile? You know, it, did Could he be. just accidentally send something? Uh, did he accidentally attach the wrong file? I mean, it's not like this guy... It's not like when you have child pornography on your computer, you're not going to have a folder that says child pornography. Well, some people <laughs> did. Like some people did. It's going to be coded as something. So this is, this is a quote from Alex Jones. This is him talking about uh, exactly what Marcus was just saying regarding the child porn and uh, this lawyer stuff. So he says, we get sent the needle in the haystack. And, uh, do you want to do it in your accent? Yeah, sure. Okay. And it's just funny because, let's say you got a bookstore with 20,000 books in it and one postcard of your job. We get a needle in the haystack, visible needle in the haystack. Imagine if you owned a bookstore and had 20,000 books in it. You ordered a couple of books, and one of them had a postcard of child porn slipped in it. And a week after the book arrives, the police come in and say, We got told there's a postcard in this exact book over here, and they go and open it. You would say to the police, Who told you that was there? That's your suspect. This is one oh one deduction, my dear. <laughs> so he literally. First of all, I'm fairly certain I could order twenty thousand books and not get any child porn. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, you you've ordered. I've ordered thousands of books. So probably. many hundreds of books. And ever have you ever seen child? Just open up the page. 32. I've opened up and found like an old postcard. Yeah, uh, of two kids scissoring. Is that is that what it is? Or is Alex Jones like? I would not be surprised. It, this could be one of the. And this is obviously just fun speculation about this disgusting, horrible tragedy uh, that is sort of you know always in the wake of of Alex Jones. And I think inevitably this is going to be the thing that that this is the this is the uh, you know the old weight around the ankles as he slowly drowns into the into the ocean of um, of irrelevancy. But that would be crazy if, if it turns out that Alex Jones just has, like, a swath of child porn. And, I mean, or when you do focus so heavily on it, maybe he's just a Peter Townsend type yeah. who is just like, I'm doing my research. <laughs> um, I don't know. But uh, nonetheless, probably sending child porn uh, to parents who are suffering not a good look, and not definitely a, look. a massive, massive felony. So, yeah. and, I don't, we'll and see. I also don't want to use his. I mean, we're not calling Alex Jones a, a pedophile or anything like no, that. No, no, that, that's as bad as I don't, him. Well, yeah, because I don't want to take a page out of his. I'm just asking questions here. Just asking questions. Yeah, <laughs> all, all I'm doing. I'm just asking questions. You know, now that I'm here at Comet Pizza, um, <laughs> can I actually can I get a slice? Can I get a slice? <laughs> so anyway, that's just kind of an interesting story in the forever saga that is the life of Alex Jones and to see it to see it all you 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 reap what you sow and all of us have made mistakes but he just constantly doubled down tripled down and you know this is this is the life this is he is getting exactly what he wanted Mm -hmm. in the same way that Bill Cooper got exactly what he wanted I don't think Alex Jones is going to end up with a bullet in his head no but I would not be surprised if he ended up uh living in Tampa a disgraced former radio guy who yep. got busted for a whole series of, you know, just whatever horrible things. I can't wait to see how this Alex because Alex, there's never been a media figure like Alex Jones. Not, like he yeah, is, I mean, can you imagine if Bill Cooper had the internet? Oh my! Well, he well did. he did, but yeah, like, yeah. but like but what like, it is now, as it is now. Uh, but but Bill Cooper and Alex Jones, because for me, like Alex Jones is a poser. 
Like Bill Cooper. That's is, what Cooper thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Bill. Bill Cooper was the real deal. There's a lot of stuff that you know. Of course, go listen to our Bill Cooper episodes yeah. if you want to know who we're uh, more about who we're talking about here. But like Bill Cooper is the granddaddy of modern conspiracy for you know better or worse. Uh, but Bill Cooper was the real deal when it actually came to believing in conspiracy theory uh, and moving forward uh, with the ideas. Alex Jones is he is a poser, mm-hmm. um, but he no one like Alex Jones has ever existed in the media. Like, whatever he is, he is brand new. Uh, There's never been anything like him before in the past. Uh, And I'm really interested to see how his story is going to play out because we've been following Alex Jones for, what, 10 years now? Oh, my God. And he's been in the media for... 25, 30 yeah. years now. No matter what it is, he's always going to have his supporters. The whole thing is so muddled. I mean, now we have these deep fake videos that are super scary. Terri- I, the deep fake videos terrify me. It's so scary, man. I mean, how is anyone going to believe anything? Did you see the video where the, the, <clears throat> they can actually animate the Mona Lisa? The, I saw they that. They can animate, yeah, they, yeah. They're, they're taking these, you know, hundreds of years old paintings and an, animating them. It's amazing. And so imagine what they can do. With just a regular fucking person. I mean, it's really... I uh, know that That's just one of those mind-blowing things. Also, they're making robot cops now. I called it, everyone, <laughs> and I am against it. I hate... If a robot cop... If a robocop gives me... A robot cop gives me a fucking ticket. I'm going to freak out. This could be my demise. Because <laughs> it is... Gonna, see, I think that's the thing, is that you're doing the same fucking thing as Alex Jones. But I am right about robot cops. The same fucking thing as Bill Cooper, where it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If, if I end up you're being going, there... You want to get killed by a robot. I don't. <laughs> I do not. If you're gonna, If you get but, killed by a robot, you're going to die with a smile uh, on your fucking face. I, I will say somehow, with the last podcast on the left LPN network, I think I have become the crazier one. <laughs> I don't... I hate these robots so much. Yeah, me and Henry are always telling you to calm down. And you're always fucking screaming about robots. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, there you go, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. This is our little down under yeah. episode. It's good to be back. It's good to I've have really, you back. I've really missed being on this show. So Absolutely. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, now the, the book's done. I cannot wait. And yeah. that'll be out in... April of next year. Looks like yeah. Yes. Looks like we're gonna have to push it back a little bit. The publishers are pushing it back. We didn't have anything to do with they're it. But, absolutely but, thrilled. So. Yeah, they're they're thrilled with it. So they want to. They want more time with it. Or something I don't know like what that, that means. Uh, I've seen the movie Happiness, <laughs> and I really hope they're not like that kid in that movie. Remember that movie? I love Happiness. <laughs> oh, that movie made me cringe. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman's greatest role, right behind Boogie Nights. Oh, he was the best. Um, All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Marcus is back. Tell the world. Tell the world. Um, All right, everyone. We'll see you on the road here in uh, Australia. Hail yourselves. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.
Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One. Because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25.